Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you all so much, as always, for tuning in. J. Paul Getty, John Paul Getty. JPG. So cartoonishly cheap. JPEG. Incredibly, incredibly cheap, JPEG was. He's a miser. He's a skin flint. He never met a penny he didn't think should be his. Where is the origin of skin flint? It makes me, th- I mean, I know we're a family show, but it makes me think of skin flute. Oh, boy. Uh, now, oh. You, learn to, you, know, you, can, you, can, you can put together what you will with that one, but that's what I always think of when I hear skin flint. What is the origin? I must know. It comes from the fact that flint as, like, flint is such a brittle and mm. hard material that you can't remove the skin of a flint without shattering it. So people who try to do that are so cheap that they just won't buy more flint. This was back when flint was a much more active part of most people's lives for fire. Got it. Got it. Man, the more you know. Dun, 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 dun. Whatever. Theme yeah. music. Yeah, JPEG. Oh, man. I can't believe we, we went through a whole episode without making that connection. I have another, there's a, another coworker of ours that I call JPEG. I used to call Casey Pegram CPEG, and he didn't like yep. it. CPEG is good. So uh, but, but he didn't JPEG. like that. He didn't like it. Oh. He didn't like it. He's a very particular dude. That's fair. That's fair. Lovely dude. I got to see uh, Casey Pegram in, in corporeal Last, form the other uh, day. A week or so ago, right? Yeah, we did a training sesh at the uh, at the new office, and um, there he was, same as he ever was. It's been almost it's been over a year since we've seen each other in person. It was really lovely. Yeah, he's a great uh, dude. Oh, uh, to- that's Super Producer Max. Mm-hmm. 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 And I, I. Yeah, and you're Noel. You're Noel, and yeah. I'm Ben. 
Um, no bro. You can call me no bro. And I want to point out that I let you guys call me a million different nicknames. You do, Freight so, Train. You do. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think um, y'all should just remember that. Okay. You know? <laughs> well, what, what, when it comes time to, to deed our estates to someone? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> you'll okay. you'll yeah. ruin this this empire. Well, first we have to make it an empire. And what better way than starting with part two of this two-part series on the saga of the Getty family with thanks to our research associate, Dr. Zach. We saved this because we thought it was a natural break in the story. I don't know what kind of sound cues this results in, but we need to... Uh, all right, when we previously left you without a dope beat to step to... We were talking about the beginning of this kidnapping. The golden hippie of Rome, uh, John Paul Getty III, had been kidnapped. A ransom note had been sent. The mob was after some of that sweet, sweet Getty money. Now, kidnapping rich folks is an age-old enterprise. It continues here in 2022 today. Uh, be careful. But Or even just like kidnapping Americans of, of, of moderate uh, means because the currency is often so much more valuable. Right. But we have uh, we've introduced some of our characters here. We talked about Gail. We talked about the leader of the Indrangheta at the time, Cinquanta. But as smart as the mafioso were, they Bush would say they misunderestimated how Getty <laughs> Sr. looked at the world. The old man, yeah. uh, the old man did not take kindly to threats, and he certainly didn't like anybody touching money that what like money in general. The thing about billionaires, you know, there's there's a good case to be made. This might be a hot take. There's a good case to be made that uh, being a billionaire might qualify you for certain mental conditions. Like, I have... Uh, like a lomania. Right, right, right. Well, like, the idea is, um, oh, I think it was John Cleese from Monty Python. He had this great example about it. He said, let's think of chocolate. A lot of people like chocolate. If you come to my house and you open the fridge, you might see a bit of chocolate. And you think, oh, he's a nice guy. He's like me. He likes chocolate. But if you walked into my house and it was filled to the ceiling with chocolate, and I asked if you had any chocolate in your pocket, and you did, and I got angry at you, then that is what being a billionaire is like. You're angry that other people have a thing. Right. And, uh, you know, JPEG, John Paul Getty, the main... He was incredibly uh, thrifty um, because he did not get his thrills from spending money. He got his thrills from making money, from amassing money, from stacking that chocolate. And that is is usually oftentimes the case for folks that come from this kind of generational wealth, especially if something you did led to it ballooning, you know, which we know that, that John Paul Getty... He did have some business acumen, and he he did a, he was a good steward of that more modest family fortune that, that 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 came before him, and then he turned it into an outright empire. And you don't build empires by giving handouts, right? Yeah, at least not not a Getty style fortune. So this guy was so cheap, folks. 
so very like beyond thrifty. Okay. I'm an Eagle Scout. I get it. Thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Those are all good things. But <laughs> he he took it too far, you could say. And you could also say he had to be this, have to have this sort of mindset to reach his financial position. But he was known as a skinflint and a miser in his day. He was always looking for a loophole, a tax deduction. He was the kind of he was the type of dude who, if he ever went into a civilian grocery store. You could be dang sure he was looking for manager specials. He got coupons. He might have been the type of guy to poke a hole in something and demand a discount because he, quote unquote, found it that way. That's how Uh cheap this guy is. Crazy town. Yeah. Manipulatively cheap. I like that. Yeah. (laughs) The the Time Magazine article on the history of the Getty kidnapping by Olivia B. Waxman summed it up. Beautifully. Uh, His penny pinching had become legend. He eats simply, dresses well, but inexpensively, spends about $280 a week for personal needs. He once took a party of friends to a dog show in London. The admission fee was five shillings, about 70 cents American. But a sign over the entrance said half price after 5 p.m. It was then 12 minutes to five, said billionaire Getty. Let us take a walk around the block for a few minutes. Like like it was, he was planning it all along. A lovely stroll. Uh, the Time Magazine article goes on. Yeah, this is a long quote, so we're going to split it up. So, on another occasion, he was persuaded by British-born author and actress Ethel Levin to send some silk ties to famed art critic Bernard Berenson, whom she and Getty had just visited while preparing for their book, Collector's Choice, which is a well-reviewed narrative of their hunt for art treasures. Getty caught Levon writing from Paul and Ethel on the accompanying card. He immediately demanded she pay half the cost of the ties on the ground that she was getting half the credit for the gift. That's unnecessarily aggressive. It's rough. Yeah, that's rough. There's, there's, there are other stories. This stuff is like is is honestly legend. Um, like he, I think it's something to do with a phone book, a phone booth. Yeah, like yeah, what was, yeah. What was that story? Yeah. He was so the way this story goes. He was getting a renovation done on a British estate, and he installed a payphone during the construction. And so, if you were his guest and you came over, you had to pay for your own phone calls. Later, after after construction was complete, he did apparently remove it. But during that time, he was like, if that call is important, that's on you, you know? Uh, there was, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Ice-T who had a uh, vending machine installed in his mansion. And when his friends came over and wanted snacks, he just told them to go to the vending machine. Wow. It's not very hospitable, is it? Ice-T... <laughs> I, oh, again, I, can't, I can't remember specifically him, but yeah, that's that. Oh, that that's doesn't the sound very on brand for Ice T. He seems pretty generous he to does. me. I hope that's not true. I hope so too. I hope I'm I'm remembering a different person, but there's definitely a, a person who's done that. So this is what the mafia was not aware of. They weren't aware of the mindset of this guy of John Paul Getty, and. He also seemed to be very cold to people who were family members, even if they weren't useful to the business enterprise. He might be at best indifferent to them, but he also would, as sad as it is to say, he seemed to consider some of them irrelevant, including his youngest son, Timothy Ware Getty. Timothy had a lot of health problems from very young age. 
He had a brain tumor that caused him to go blind at age six, and he passed away when he was 12 years old, and his father did not go to the funeral. Can you imagine? Yeah, apparently has an aversion to weddings and funerals. I don't know. Maybe just an aversion to life, to other people. You know, it seems like one of those guys that would just prefer just to, again, swim in his sea of coins. Do you think he uh, talks to money? Like, is his best friend his first dollar bill or something? Yeah, I just, you know, it just strikes me, Ben, like uh, people like this, they can't have very happy lives. You know, they've got all the money in the world. Throw that catchphrase around again because it, it, it's appropriate here. But what kind of fulfillment, you know, five wives, mm-hmm. seemingly, you know, no meaningful relationship with family. What's the point of it all, you know, if if not to to have a happy life, you know? I mean, I guess it's about legacy. Again, back to succession, it does seem like legacy and this idea of being larger than life and having your, you know, your name carry on, you know, well past your death. And obviously, if we know anything about the Getty Foundation, all of the things associated with Getty, they certainly did, that certainly did happen. So if that's what, what he was, you know, banking on, then I guess good on you, but he just didn't seem to be a particularly jolly fellow. Yeah, agreed. And this is, you know, it can be tough to understand the inner workings of another person's mind. It's always a little bit of a black box, but we can measure people by their actions, right? And his actions seem to consistently prize growth of his financial empire over the well-being of his social relationships and his family. He even this from a great Rolling Stone article by Amelia McDonald Perry. Apparently, during the time his fifth son was going through all these medical problems, J. Paul Getty told his wife that she was spending too much money on his son's medical care. Like, that's also, again, that's Arctic-level cold. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. 
like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. So we we're, we know that the mob was not aware, really, of the guy they were messing with. They didn't know the nature of the bear they were poking. And they were thinking, all right, we'll set this ransom at $17 million US. That is an ungodly amount of money for most people, but John Paul Getty is a billionaire. And so it's not going to hurt him at all, uh, especially if we're saying you do this to save your grandson. But what they didn't know is J. Paul Getty liked his grandson's mom. He liked Gail. He thought she was cool, but he didn't like this grandson he considered him feckless. And then we're talking about this off air. Uh, one of the things that stayed with this guy who held on to grudges as tightly as he held on to money, by the way, he was still mad at his grandson because one one time his grandson showed up wearing trainers, sneakers, basically, to visit him at this two-door manor house, Sutton Place. Oh, the gall exactly. of this unwashed whippersnapper whelp turning up to the manor in, in, in trainers. Ugh. I know. Oh, uh, feckless means irresponsible, lacking strength of character. Yeah. Yeah. Shiftless labor. <laughs> exactly. But uh, he did. He committed a worse offense. He was a hippie. <laughs> and the also, golden hippie. Of the Rome. golden hippie. And uh, JPG... Uh, old JPEG, also, you know, didn't like the fact that he seemed to be following in his father's footsteps, uh, you know, who had moved to Rome and, and, and got on the horse and all that stuff and, uh, and, and made a bit of a, you know, dragged the family name through the mud a little bit in his eyes. So he said he wanted nothing to do with either of them until they, quote, changed their ways. So he was definitely passing down some moral authority kind of judgment from on high. So he alleges a conspiracy and he says, my grandson has staged this crisis because he's after money. And then later when he realizes, no, he didn't stage the crisis. The golden hippie, that's his most famous nickname, had in fact been kidnapped by the mob. He doubled down. He still blamed his grandson, the golden hippie for, quote, getting kidnapped in the first place and thereby involving him and his grandfather with the dreaded mafia. This is all according mm. to a guy named John Pearson, the author of a great book called Painfully Rich, The Outrageous Fortune and Misfortune of the Heirs of J. Paul Getty. Yeah, talk about victim blaming. Right, right. And the truth seems to be that the old man has been well aware of the possibility of kidnapping and extortion, well before the grandson, the golden hippie, disappeared. And because John Paul Jr. had kind of fallen out of contact with his dad, it, it fell to Gail to go to the old man, Getty Sr. herself. And he initially said, no, 
I have 14 other grandchildren. If I pay one penny now, then I will have 14 kidnapped grandchildren. We do not negotiate with terrorists. I added that last part, but that's that's the vibe. I mean, it's very much a like, well, I have, he doesn't come out and say, but it's like, I have 13 other ones. I can lose one. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, you see that uh, Scotch-Irish background come into play. But also, also there's this, uh, there's this implication that he's doing the math. And he's saying it's not 17 million once. It's at minimum 17 million times 13, knowing that the price might get higher each time. He, he's doing a risk assessment. Yeah, cost-benefit, yeah. Yeah, with, uh, with human capital. Family, you know, I mean, she's the least. Even the mob is confused. Even the mob mob is is confused. They they didn't realize they've inserted themselves in the middle of the most dysfunctional family uh, (laughs) ever. And they're just like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. Uh, And man, it gets weirder, worser, better. I don't know how to even say it. Yeah, it's it's, bizarre. It's so surreal. It's like, um, you know, this is not a funny situation, but you could make a dark comedy out of the conversations they're having because our guy Cinquanta from the Italian mob there, he is the point person to be on the phone with Gail and he just doesn't get it. He's like, this guy is that rich and he's not going to save his own grandson. And he goes, who is this so-called grandfather? You know, how can he leave his own flesh and blood in the plight that your poor son is in? Here is the richest man in America, and you tell me he refuses to find just 10 milliardi for his grandson's safety? Signora, you take me for a fool. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's he's literally, by refusing to pay or to even help or to even entertain the idea that this could be real, he's putting his his family in in worse in a worse situation where now they're potentially at risk because the mob thinks that they're jerking them around. Oh yeah, they don't believe it because family is so important to the mob, right? This does not compute. And uh oh. yeah, uh so we might yeah. we we might be bloodthirsty criminals, but damn it if we miss family dinner. Right, we like know? our kids. What is wrong with you Americans? Uh so he ends up pleading with her you know, it's almost like a a, a nego- It is a negotiation. Let me help me help you. Exactly, kind of exactly. Yeah. He's saying, you know, because he doesn't see himself as a bad guy. He sees himself as doing his job, and so he says, "Look, please find some way to get the money. We're too far down this road, and I have to tell you, the people who are holding your son are going to harm him if we don't get this cash, this ransom." And then Gail does the next natural thing and says, "Prove to me." that my son is alive. He says, okay, tell me questions only the golden hippie would know the answers to. I'll get those answers and I'll call you back. And he does. So he proves that uh, this kid's alive and this kidnapping goes on for months and months. Paul gets very sick. Cinquanta uh, even calls Gail when, when the boy falls ill and says, uh, hey, your son's not doing well. What do I do to keep him healthy? And it's not like a threat. He's like asking, how do I make no, sure exactly. your kid doesn't die? Yeah, this person, this go-between is a, a pretty sympathetic character in this, uh, this weird, whole saga weird. in yeah. some weirdly, right? She, you know, she says, keep keep him warm. He's always a, a bit of a sickly child. So again, like you said, Ben, this goes on for months and months. So some of the kidnappers involved in this 
lose interest or they're just kind of like, I'm ready to get paid. Um, so they actually sell out their stakes in the whole deal. So I didn't even know that was possible. It's like, it's like betting on futures, you know, right. or something. Yeah. You're selling their positions. Right. And this is a problem because it seems as though maybe some of these folks were more loosely connected to the mafia uh, and a little less hardcore. And they were kind of trying to play it out without doing any serious harm to the boy. But at this point, they sell their positions to folks that are a little more connected to the mob and also a little less uh, friendly, let's just say. Yeah, it's it's like um, with debts. A lot of times you'll see this happen where it's like, you know, especially if someone gets, goes in like bankruptcy, they'll sell like the person's debt off and the other mm -hmm. people will get like, you know, 15 cents off the dollar. But that's what I'm seeing here. And it's like, wow, that's a... I didn't know that happened. It's kind of morbid to think about. Yeah. Well, super morbid. Yeah. Imagine a few of the original guys were saying, hey, look, this is taking a while. We sell loose cigarettes to get around taxes. That's our level of crime, guys. And usually, you know, our street hustles are done like that week or that month. This has been a journey. All the best. Good luck. The new team, as you mentioned, are much more brutal and they say, okay, we're going to make good on these threats. They must, the Gettys must be bluffing because they don't know we're serious. So Paul is uh, still tied up. He's still being held hostage. It is a chilly October morning. They wake him up. They give him a ton of brandy, I think it was. They get him day drunk. They give him a haircut. And he doesn't know what's happening. I imagine he's bonded a little with some of these guys. And maybe even the original kidnappers left because we're getting too close. But Paul gets a bad vibe, even though he's drunk, when people start rubbing alcohol behind his right ear and they gave him a towel to bite on. And with a razor, no anesthetic, they cut off his ear, staunch the wound and mail the ear to a newspaper. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. The big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car, I'd get that car, and I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody, like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonneville. Oh, 
right? It's, oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was, a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, <laughs> I said El Camino and I meant Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. But it, it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, you know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Some Reservoir Dogs stuff right there. Yeah, mail. Mail the ear to the newspaper. Maybe that'll get him to finally pay. Because again, this that's these these more roughneck uh, uh, folks that are that have entered the chat, and they're now slicing off ears. Yeah, and the family didn't learn about this for quite a while because the Italian post service was on strike, so the ear didn't get to him for quite some time. When it did arrive, Getty Senior, the old man himself calls a family council and he strikes a unique deal. One, uh, he strikes a deal with the kidnappers, but then also with his own estranged son, uh, Junior. They haggle, they negotiate the ransom down to $3 million from $17 million. The old man says, I'll pay $2 million. And his lawyers told him that number because it was the maximum amount he was allowed to write off on his taxes. Jeez, so man. like not a penny more. Deeper and deeper, this guy. Uh, That's not the worst part, though. <laughs> no, it's not the worst part. And then he makes his son, uh, JP3's father, pay the remaining a million, which he doesn't have because reasons that we've discussed. But uh, in his uh, benevolence, JPG decides he'll loan it to his son at a very reasonable 4% interest rate. Jeez. He's turning this into a an opportunity to get a little juice out of his son. Really quick, Ben, if I may ask, it's a trope, you know, in, in, in crime fiction drama to send a toe or an ear or whatever, you know, and like in, uh, um, what is it, The Big Lebowski, you know, it's like, you want a toe, I can get you a toe. How do you know it's his ear? Uh, how are they uh, like? How is that uh, such a such an important proof of life? Maybe it would have been combined with a picture of the severed. It's just I don't know. It's a weird flex. Mm. I get that it's an intimidation method, but you know, 
Yeah, it's not uh, an especially unique ear, you could say, right? Other than skin color and maybe age of the skin, unless there were some notable disfigurations or uh, abnormalities. But maybe it was an honor among thieves situation. We do know that the plan was a success. The Golden Hippies, five months of captivity, ended in the pre-dawn hours of December 15th, 1973. A truck driver found him. And he was just by the side of the road, waving his arms in the universal distress sign. And he said, I need to get to a telephone to call my mom. I'm Paul Getty. Can I have a cigarette? Pouring rain, by the way. Very dramatic. I'm, this is, I'm picturing this scene from this Time Magazine article uh, describing it. It's, it's, it's very cinematic. I, I, I imagine that it's played out in the... Uh, in the, in the film we were talking about, All the Money in the World, which I really am now super intrigued to see. Yeah, may I have a say? He's very polite. Sure. He hasn't, uh, his manners have not waned in this time in captivity. He, he supposedly is quoted as saying, may I have a cigarette, please? He seemed like a nice, like a nice guy, all told. He does make it to a police station and they see that his right ear is missing and he answers some questions. It's clearly him. He survives a kidnapping, which not everybody does. Uh, he goes on to marry a friend of his from before his ordeal, one Martin Zacher. And this happens two years later, so he's 18 years old. Remember, this kid's only 16. He's going through a lot. He spends almost half of a year locked up by the mob. And the problem is that when he marries at 18, he has automatically disqualified himself from a stake in his grandfather's trust because he married too young. He and his wife have one son, uh, who many of us may know as the actor, Balthazar Getty. And then when the grandfather, when old man Getty does finally pass away, 1976, he leaves his son, John, that's the junior, right? Uh, he leaves him 500 bucks and his grandson, who had been kidnapped, gets nothing. Nothing. You get nothing! Good day, sir! Exactly. Just like Gene Wilder and Willy Wonka. And uh, things get rough. Things get rough for the golden hippie. Uh, he tries to adjust to life after this trauma. He drinks too heavily. He becomes addicted to drugs. He eventually tries to reform. He tries to make a career for himself as an actor, but he gets liver failure and he and a, a stroke leaves him pretty handicapped, partially blind and quadriplegic and unable to speak, but mentally fit as a fiddle. And that that is a certain level of hell, is it not? You Ugh, know, that locked in. He's imprisoned again. Your body yeah. being a cage, you know, like that arcade fire song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's insane. Uh, I, I can't imagine. I would just, I don't think, I, I don't know if I, I hmm. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm at a loss for words. Just, it's, 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 it's one of the, it's, I think it's one of my, my deepest fears is to end up in a situation like that. Yeah. And his mom cares for him until he passes away. When he dies, his son Balthazar says he taught us how to live our lives and overcome obstacles and extreme adversity, and we shall miss him dearly. It's weird, too, because we know that the old man, Getty Sr., was a known philanderer in addition to being a miser and parsimonious, right? That's another word that 
Max, Max and I were looking up synonyms for cheapskate. And uh, he had a lot of lovers in addition to his five wives, but business always won out. One of the quotes that really stood out to me, a former wife of his next said, business was his first love. But the quote that really stands out is he said this, a lasting relationship with a woman is only possible if you are a business failure. Sir, I disrespectfully disagree. No joke. It's priorities, man. You know? It's like, what, what, what are you in this for? You know? Is, is, I mean, we all have, we only have one life. It's just a weird way of getting your head twisted up and like this idea of legacy and this idea of, you know, living on in some sort of perpetual way. It's such a kind of pompous way of, of thinking, you know? I mean, it's like, yeah, we, we, we know Getty. We know the name. Do I think of John Paul Getty? Do I even know what the guy looks like? You know, all I know about him was that he was kind of a jerk and, and, and was, was, was awful to his family. So it's like, what, what's in a name, you know? I, I don't know. I don't get it. I'm also not a gajillionaire because I do understand the concept of enough never being enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and people that can't reconcile that will never be happy because it's all just about stacking and collecting and hoarding. And it's like, you know, you get to a certain point where you make a certain amount of money. Statistically, I think they say it's like $70,000, Seventy-two, uh, yeah. $72,000, like beyond that. Uh, everything's just kind of extra. And uh, then you start to create new problems for yourself. And then you start to be like, oh, well, I need to keep up with this mm-hmm. other person that I'm comparing myself to, or, you know, compete somehow um, with, with, with whomever, you know, with this idea of, of, uh, of status and, um, you know, opulence. It's just, it's a, it's a slippery slope and it can really wreck you. Well, that's the thing too. I mean, this, this has always stood out to me. For a lot of people, happiness is defined by external factors. There, there are studies that clearly indicate, you know, if you work at a job and you make $12,000 a year and all your coworkers make $12,000 a year, you'll be all right. You'll think, I'm doing okay, I can do better. But if one of them starts making $12,500 a year, you'll be incredibly unhappy. And the same thing if you work at a place where everybody makes $200,000 a year and one person makes $201,000 a year, you will be incredibly unhappy unless you, you always will be, unless you learn to define happiness in terms of internal variables, right? You are the main character of your story and everybody else is the main character of their own. But with that, lest we, uh, I'll step off the soapbox. I just feel strongly about this. Lest we start moralizing or over-moralizing, maybe we end it here Money always doesn't always make people happy. There are some great TED Talks about this as well. I'm also thinking of RSA Animate. The oh, It's a great series. Have you guys seen that? Mm. Um, I'm going to send it to you along with that other uh, Saturday Night Live sketch you mentioned in part one. Didn't forget. Uh, I'll send that right after we get out here. But I think this story does tell us a lot about the dangers of success, how success can be defined. And gosh, yeah, just what a wild ride. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thanks to uh, alleged Getty descendant, super producer Max Williams, for letting us tell your family's story. I think, maybe, allegedly. Sure, allegedly. 
Yeah, as long as we put enough allegedly's in there, we're good to go. Thanks also to Alex Williams, who composed this track. Uh, thanks to research associate, Dr. Zach. Who else? No. Oh, and thanks to you, sir. Oh, thanks to you as well. Chris Rossiotis here in spirit, of course. Uh, Qu- Quister? Did you say something about the Quister? Not yet. Yeah, there, there he is. Uh, when's he coming back? We should, we should uh, I don't know, burn some some sort of demonic herb. Perhaps that'll, uh, that'll attract his attention. Mm-hmm. I hope he hasn't been kidnapped. Same. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Roger that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch strata coaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com.